106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. out minding my own business i happen to look up and i see cnn with another bullshit headline riots continue in philadelphia for two days after police shoot black man now why did they shoot this black man you ask and why is the title bullshit well i'm here to tell you said black man was charging police with a knife he was given numerous commands to stop, chose not to, and then he took his short little legs and he ran after police officers after they told him to stop. Now what do you think's gonna happen when you charge a police officer with a weapon? We all know history. So, this dumbass got shot. Now there's riots in Philadelphia because the people rioting are stupid. Almost as stupid as the riots for Jacob Blake. You know, the pedophile, domestic violence committing felon. If you, in any way, shape, or form, think this is the police's fault, at all in either situation Good afternoon, this is Lou Benninger, and you're listening to No Hostages Radio. This is our 84th episode on November 7, 2020. Thank you for listening whenever you got to us, however you got to us. Uh, if you don't know about our website, you may have actually found us through the website, but uh, for those who haven't, nohostagesradio.com. You can read articles there as well as listen listen to episodes. Otherwise, you can go get the episodes through your uh, podcast source. You can reach me at No Hostages Radio, uh, Lou at No Hostages Radio, L O U at No Hostages Radio.com. And uh, you can email me. I checked that a couple times a day and uh, we'll get right back to you. Also, you could 
uh, text or phone me at 530-713-1838. I'm over here in California, Northern California, and uh, specifically in a small town called Marysville. And uh, so if you want to talk to me, uh, consider the three-hour time difference if you're on the other side of the, <clears throat> of the United States or wherever you are. Uh, okay, let's see. Is that all the, the routine to start off? I think that is. Uh, we're right in the midst of a controversy. You know, I wrote a couple articles for the Territorial Dispatch that are coming out today. And so I had to write them prior to the election. And I mentioned that once the election happened, I didn't think things would be totally settled. And I was sort of prophetic on that. I just felt my gut things wouldn't be settled. And there, even if the the election had been called last night or the first night, uh, November 3rd, uh, there still wouldn't be things settled. People are, aren't going to be happy. Uh, the left is never happy. Uh, regardless of whether their uh, candidate wins or not. Uh, the right seems to be tolerant. And, uh, for instance, eight years of Obama, very few of the uh, the conservative sort uh, appreciated Obama's ways, <clears throat> but they uh, were respectful and uh, didn't break any glass, steal any tennis shoes or fifths of booze and uh, light any buildings on fire or turn over any police cars or drop the F-bomb and be disrespectful to authority. That's just a difference in type of people that are following that path, liberal and conservative. For those that uh, are listening that are people of faith, the, the Christian faith, I, I read this uh, quote from Charles Grandison Finney, who was a revivalist, um, during the 1800s, and actually was an abolitionist as well. Most people in church know him as a revivalist, Charles Finney, that um, was really anointed of God to bring people to a knowledge of him. <clears throat> and um, But actually, he was much more uh, uh, diversified, I guess you'd say, uh, in that he was very active in... Uh, the abolitionist movement and was i think he was the first or second president of oberlin college which has since become a very liberal and uh anti-conservative type college but he originally oberlin was a college designed to uh train uh black professionals and so Charles Grandison Finney was the president of that college for a time. Anyway, uh, many people I've talked to even on this election said that they, oh, well, I'm not going to vote. My, my vote doesn't really count. Uh, certainly when you don't vote, it does count. And so if you noticed around, notice around the United States, if you just put the fraud aside, which is hard to overlook, but presidential elections have been, have been decided by uh, small uh, small amounts over the years. Seemed like the John Kennedy over Nixon election in the 1960s um, was decided by a voter two per county. I think there's over 3,140 counties or something in the United States. 
but it was very small margin. It's unfortunate that people don't vote because our our country is designed for a people that are both Christian, in other words, they respect God and honor God and try to follow his precepts, and that are participatory folks in the electoral process, and they serve on committees, commissions, boards, etc. That's what makes this kind of government go around. So it's fascinating to me. I've been, uh, I wasn't raised in church, but I've been in church since uh, about 50 years now, since I was in my uh, early 20s. And I have been fascinated by the, um, the deception in the church and the lackadaisical attitude and the uh, unbiblical attitude of many Christians that, whereas the Jesus taught that we needed to be salt and light in our community, whether that's a communist community, totalitarian community, socialist, uh, oligarchy, or a republic. We need to be salt and light. And so we see people in the Bible that lived under a variety of regimes, from Babylon to the Romans, and they they uh, were effective in wherever they lived. And so it's fascinating to me the the laziness, the slothfulness of Christians who not only aren't voting, but aren't even registered to vote. It's pitiful. It's just totally pitiful. And uh, Charles Finney took a very strong stance on it. And uh, he said, the time has come that Christians must vote for honest men and take consistent ground in politics or the Lord will curse them. Now, the reason uh, uh, Finney was adamant about that was both from the point of view of the scriptures that if you're disobedient uh, you bring a curse on yourself number two is that in this type of a government uh, we Christian people need to flex their muscles Christians he says have been exceedingly guilty in this matter in other words not voting and not voting for honest men but the time has come when they must act differently. Christians seem to act as if they thought God did not see what they do in politics. But I tell you that he does see, and he will bless or curse this nation according to the course the the Christians uh, take in politics. Now, that certainly was true and accurate uh, or more evident in the early days of the colonies and you can read the writings of the founders when they just felt that they were at uh, a point of, of uh, difficulty with one another and trying to sort out how to manage, how to set up some, uh, some running documents for the nation. And uh, then they just would stop and pray. And they had a very strong sense that if the nation, the virtue of the nation was not strong enough <clears throat> that the country would fail. <clears throat> and um, and I've been reading this book uh, about the, uh, the founding of the country and the uh, Constitution, etc., how it came, t- came into being. And um, it's interesting that in the founding fathers, when they were trying to decide whether to secede from Great Britain and declare their independence 
they hesitated for quite a while for one reason, and that was they didn't think the country was virtuous enough to actually establish <coughs> and run a, um, a republic, that, that people needed to be people of self-discipline, where as a, if you're not people of self-discipline and virtue, where you manage and you get your own life under control, and you ex- if the opposite is true— then you would have all these law enforcement and military trying to keep control of everybody. They knew that there's no way that this type of a operation, a republic, could sur- survive people that didn't, uh, they weren't people of self-discipline and people of virtue and people of honesty, etc. So, and some people have said that's why capitalism has been so successful here is is that there was a, before there were contracts, people said, my word is my bond. Do you remember those terms? It's a slogan, my word is my bond, and uh, or the contract. But today, you can have an elaborate contact and contract and still have people ignore the contract because they're unscrupulous. They're people of uh, uh, low means, uh, inappropriate, their inappropriate behavior. So the very fact that you go in and you give someone your money and you purchase something from them, that trust exchange right there is a part of the virtue of our government. You can go to other countries where you give them money and they don't give you back the same, the right amount of change, or they give you back the wrong, wrong weight of item, or, 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 or. They're not honest people. So uh, Finney said that it's the role of Christians— to he's talking that it's a role of Christians to be salt and light and that they need to be serving on these boards and commissions and volunteering and making a difference and holding people accountable and certainly voting for the right people. Now, during this past election, I had people voting for people because they were, they were Christian. And I said, well, that's not the right way to vote. Or, or maybe some voted because they were Punjabi, or they voted because they were Muslim. It's all wrong because what we should be doing in this type of a government, which is a republic government, which means that we we are a system of, of government run by the people, for the people, of the people. So everyone that's working in government or uh, hired by us through votes uh, they are our employees. So when you go to the ballot box or you go to the polling place and vote or you get a ballot, your decision should be based upon if I was hiring that person for myself, would I, would, which one would I choose? That's a lot different than I like him. Oh, he's good looking. Oh, she's a Christian. Oh, she's got a real burden for the city. Oh, uh, she prays a lot for the city. That's absolutely uh, of no consequence in terms of whether or not you should, where you, whether or not you should vote for them. But that's what a lot of people do. Some people have said that this election. Some people are now saying that it was really election. Yes or no on Trump. Some people have said this is really an election uh, for freedom versus. Socialism or communism. 
I want to read you a couple of quotes. I don't think I got to them last week. One's by Norman Thomas. He said, the American people will never knowingly adopt socialism, but under the name of liberalism, liberalism, they will adopt every fragment of the socialist program until one day America will be a socialist nation without even knowing how it happened. I certainly concur, concur with that. And then Anne Rand who's a libertarian, said there is no difference between communism and socialism except in the means of achieving the same ultimate end. Communism proposes to enslave men by force. Socialism does it by vote. It is merely the difference between murder and suicide. All right, let me go over to my other sheet here and... and uh, All right. So um, people got very confused during this election. I had people calling me saying, uh, do I have to mail in the ballot? Where do I drop it off? People were dropping the ballot off at the wrong place. <clears throat> if they had a polling place they needed to use, they didn't know about that. They got confused. Um, some got confused thinking that Gavin Newsom recall was going to be on the ballot, which was easy because we have a deadline <clears throat> to have all the signatures in by November 17. So people got the, the Novembers connected and thought maybe we're going to vote on this recall at the same time we were voting on the presidential uh, race. But no, the recall is going to uh, have to be processed and validated and all the signatures uh, confirmed that they're good signatures. And then the Secretary of State of the State of California will declare that uh, a special election where the question will be asked, do you want to recall the governor? Then everybody in the state, even those that didn't sign the petition, will get a chance to vote on it. If you're a voting age and you're registered to vote, you would vote. Do I want to recall Governor Newsom? And then while they say that, uh, maybe they say no, but in the case that uh, it does pass, even though they didn't want it to pass, there's a list of candidates of other people that would like to take over as governor in his spot. So you'll get a chance to vote yes or no on Gavin Newsom, and then you'll get to vote for another person to take his place should he be recalled. So there's there's still time to sign up for the recall. <coughs> You can go on to uh, uh, Recall Gavin uh, 2020 and find the Yuba County and Sutter County Facebook sites, and you can find out where they're meeting each day of the week. They're they're t taking uh, they're setting up tents and and having people stop in and sign. You can you can actually if you have a computer and a printer, you could print off a petition and you could sign it yourself and then you could turn it in right from your own house you don't even need to work with the uh with the campaign the recall gavin campaign you could just simply do it yourself so we're still needing a lot of signatures i think we're going to get it but we need signatures and uh we need your signature so recall gavin 2020 and um or if, if you're in the Yuba Sutter County's area and you, you don't want to go to the website, all that kind of stuff, or Facebook site, you can go out to Monty Hecker's uh, business office 
at, uh, let me get the address, 5548 Feather River Boulevard. And you can go there any day of the week, 5548 Feather River Boulevard. You can sign up there. You can get petitions there. You can even register to vote there, I think. So um, that's easy if you're in the Yuba-Sutter counties. I, my understanding is Recall Gavin Newsom has a, a committee or a group in every county all 58 counties, and the way to find them is to go on the Recall Gavin 2020. Um, let me see if I can get make sure I got the uh, Recall Gavin 2020. That's 2020.com. Get on there and then find your county and then connect with them on Facebook and find out where they're signing people up. You, Everybody's needing help, so if you... If you don't have a job or you uh, maybe work out of the home, you got an hour or two you can spend. This is really a time when we can make a big difference. You think, oh, well, it doesn't really make any difference. Actually, it does. And uh, by you getting 10 or 20 signatures or five signatures, it's it's awesome. And uh, we up here in Sutter County, little old Sutter County, the Assemblyman Gallagher, who represents our two counties up here, Yuba Sutter, as well as a few others, and Kevin Kiley, who represents uh, some counties over uh, in the Rockland, Sacramento area, they uh, filed a lawsuit against the, the uh, governor of the state in Sutter County Court, and they have prevailed and uh, against his uh, declaring all these emergency orders. So um, I want to mention that and see if we can get get some more signatures. It'd be a shame to just miss by a handful of votes or a handful of good signatures. Uh, so that's that on that. I wanted to mention uh, something that uh, during this whole COVID uh, situation, <clears throat> most of the information you've been hearing is lies from the government. Things like there's a lot of science behind masks. There isn't. In fact, the federal government recommends you not wear a mask because they cut down your oxygen supply. But the fact that um, nurses and doctors will tell you that masks have no impact on stopping coronavirus or any virus for that matter or any bacteria. Uh, so standing six feet apart is nonsense. This is about, you know, it's like uh, a mask is kind of like a training bra for socialism. Uh, they're preparing you to be obedient and to do whatever you're told. And that mask is muzzling you. Now, if you, you understand God created us not to wear a mask, God created us with a smile, with a, with a mouth, with eyes that we communicate. You ever heard about verbal communication, body language, all those kind of things? Well, that's what, um, is being damaged by putting muzzles on people and causing them to stand six feet apart. It's isolating them and cutting down on the amount of interaction, communication, and movements against the government. We'll be right back, and we'll start our second of six segments. Keep on running. It's time now for some tough love on the subject. 
The reason there is so much violence and chaos in the black precincts is the disintegration of the African-American family. He's got a point. In fact, he's got more than a point. It's not good for us when you have a, a culture and music which glorifies baby mama. We have a culture problem in black America. That the black community is unique from other communities. Um, our, our culture is unique from other communities um, because we are the only community that caters to the bottom denominator of our society. Now, let me explain what that means. Um, it means to say that not every black American is a criminal, not every black American is committing crimes, but we are unique in that we are the only people that fight and scream and demand support and justice for the people in our community that are up to no good. Bill? Raised without much structure, young black men often reject education and gravitate towards the street culture, drugs, hustling, gangs. Nobody forces them to do that. Again, it is a personal decision. He is right about that too. Okay, I'm a big believer that no matter what color you are, you do stupid things, you win stupid prizes, okay? We have to do better. We have to teach our kids better or we're not gonna get ahead, right? I am not going to stand for this continual bottom-feeding narrative of us martyring people that have had five, six, seven stints in prison and then pretending they were upstanding heroes to our community. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. Excuse my language. It's absolute bullshit. And I'm tired of it. I'm tired of having to play pretend. I'm tired of sitting here and being called a coon or an Uncle Tom because I won't play this bottom-feeding game with you. If you want to hang up posters of criminals on your wall and talk about them as your martyrs, do it. Do it. You can do it. I mean, it's embarrassing. We are embarrassing in that regard. Because black people, if you really want to fix the problem, here's just five things that you should think about doing. Here's number five, pull up your pants. Number four now is the N-word. And when you dumb down black Americans, that means that they start to look, they're getting their education from culture. Now number three, respect where you live. Start small by not dropping trash, littering in your own communities. I've lived in several predominantly white neighborhoods in my life. I rarely, if ever, witness people littering. I live in Harlem now. It's an historically black neighborhood. Every single day I see adults and children dropping their trash on the ground when a garbage can is just feet away. Just being honest here. Number two, finish school. You want to break the cycle of poverty? Stop telling kids they're acting white because they go to school or they speak proper English. The culture, you've talked about culture so many times. When I was growing up, my mom and my dad never checked to see if I did my homework. It was not important for them to make sure that I was doing my homework. Now, I naturally did. I was good at school, so I liked it. Uh, but it wasn't necessary because our culture is a bit different. Uh, we have to get serious about education. We need to get stop criminalizing black Americans who want to get ahead. For example, I was bullied uh, in middle school uh, by other black people because I spoke proper English. Literally, that was my crime. I spoke proper English, so they would say, you're acting white. When you start to assign attributes that are, are considered whiteness, speaking proper English, caring about your schoolwork, these are things that the black, black America makes fun of black Americans for uh, because they say, well, that means that you're not, you're, you're not black. Over the course of a career, a college grad will make nearly a million dollars more than a high school graduate. That's a lot of money. And number one, and probably the most important, just because you can have a baby, it doesn't mean you should, especially without planning for one or getting married first. More than 72% of children in the African-American community are born out of wedlock. That means absent fathers.
And the studies show that lack of a male role model is an express train right to prison. And the cycle continues. Right. And that's problematic. Uh, father absence, huge issue. Uh, you know, 23% single motherhood rate of the 1960, 74% um, at the time that you shot that. I think it's 77% as we're sitting here right now. So please, black folks, pay close attention to the hip hop and rap culture that glorifies everything I just mentioned. Thug and reprehensible behavior. A culture that is making a lot of people rich, just not you. Right. We, this is why we have a cycle and a toxic culture, because nobody wants to tell the truth in black America. It's so easy to be a victim. It's so easy to ask black, white people to bow down and apologize and do all these things for us. It's crap. It's crap. It's a lie. It's a farce. Our biggest problem is us. So we've been lied to uh, throughout this entire pandemic. If, if you can either look at it being lied to or having people at the top who claim they're the brightest people in the country and the world in terms of medical and them being extremely incompetent uh, from the guy uh, Ferguson at the uh, Imperial College of London completely uh, his prognostication was completely wrong. Not only that, but what he recommended us doing, he was not willing to do himself, like like not interact with people of other households because he was screwing somebody else's friend, uh, wife, and she was coming over to his house right when he was telling everybody in London and throughout the world, you need to stay six feet apart and you need to not be in uh, interacting with other families on and on and on. Made all these kind of rules then didn't follow any of them himself. Now, we've seen people, uh, leaders in the medical profession, Fauci, Burks, all these people, on down the line to their health officers. We've seen them at times not wearing masks and not necessarily because they had to give a talk or something. They just weren't wearing them, like at a baseball game. Uh, there's been times they haven't been seven, six feet apart. It's kind of like the typical socialism mantra uh What's good for me is not good for thee. In other words, they don't live the aristocracy in a or the elite in a socialist government does not follow the same rules as they expect of the servants. So uh, we've had so I've had numbers of talks with doctors and nurses, in fact, nurses at the Adventist Hospital over here, and they are not happy with the way things are going and the way that they're forced to uh, treat people and the extra things they're going through that they think are just baloney. They do it. Everybody follow. Isn't it true that most people follow all these rules, even though they think they're obnoxious and ridiculous because they're afraid of the repercussions. If they don't, that they might lose their job, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, a national health service nurse, that's, National Health Service is not in America. That's in England. And recently she blasted the uh, the policy of COVID and quit her job. 
And she says, uh, it says here, an NHS nurse in Britain publicly resigned while wearing her uniform before releasing the real numbers of COVID patients in her hospital and denouncing the government's disastrous lockdown policy. The reason I'm saying that's disastrous is that your immune system must be facing enemies to keep it strong. It's the same reason that walking up a hill is good for you. Even though it may be difficult, it's strengthening your legs, strengthening your wind. And if you ignore walking up the hill and just sit in a comfy chair all day, uh, your life, uh, your body, your system will not fare well. And so uh, this whole idea of quarantining healthy people is nonsense. It's just total medical nonsense. And so this nurse finally just said, I am not going to lie about this any longer. I'm not going to be a part of the lie. Now, we got all kinds of people in our community here in Yuba Sutter counties that are following the lie. All your supervisors, your city council people, and a lot of your health care workers are following the lie. Even though right on the side of the N95 mask box, uh, it says this does not is not a safety uh, item for COVID. <clears throat> now, I saw a guy wear a mask the other day. It was a parody max mask. And in, in the part that goes over your nose and mouth, there was a screen, like window screen, that keeps out a fly but not keep out a gnat, right? And uh, so his, his, uh, he had made this, or got it made, this mask that had a literal like a, a screen door screen made and formed into it. And uh, because he was mocking the craziness that that's going to that these uh, paper masks or whatever they're made out of cloth masks are actually going to keep the covid uh, germ from getting into your in, into your lungs or into your immune system. Now, let me just state something here. Your immune system is God's way. See, if the more you get into this COVID movement, the more you see it's satanic. So it's good versus bad, dark versus light, uh, God versus Satan. And uh, when you look at all the things that have been taken away from our society, (coughs) family gatherings, weddings, funerals, uh, baseball games, kids playing in sports, Fishing, hunting, um, all you know, gatherings at church, youth youth clubs, AANA, all those things. Those things are very destructive because the fact is, the people that are out there mixing it up with other people have a stronger immune system than the people that are trying to hide and protect themselves from COVID. Now, this National Health Services nurse. <clears throat> She just pulled the covers back on England's deal. She said the whole of England officially entered lockdown two today, despite numerous experts warning that lockdowns will eventually end up killing more people than coronavirus itself. Now, let me say this again. This is these are medical experts in England saying they're warning that lockdowns will eventually end up killing more people than coronavirus. Did you ever think if you were locked down in your house enough that you would just up and die. <clears throat> the reason is, is from what doctors tell me, is your immune system, if it doesn't get exercised by meeting foreign invaders called germs, 
Uh, it's just like you sitting around in your lazy boy all the time and your legs get to looking pretty spindly without any form. And when you have to go walk around the block, it's a little wobbly for you. You're not up to it. Same way with our immune system. So this whole con- concept of staying inside and wearing masks is destroying our immune system. So it says the whole lo- England officially the whole of England officially entered lockdown 2.0 today despite numerous experts warning of this. I just explained it to you. The video out of Cornwall shows a nurse in uniform giving a speech explaining why she decided to resign from her job. Quote I don't need the uniform to prove that I work for them, but today I'm publicly resigning, she said. The nurse then revealed how she received an email from her bosses demanding an explanation as to why she's been critical of the official COVID policy and that policy uh, and that people were reporting her. Now, this is what's going on. If you don't follow, if you don't agree with the government, and your neighbors do, they will turn you in. Now, this is pure communism and totalitarianism, where neighbors buy into this, decept- they're deceived, they're not, they're not digging deep and looking at the truth behind what, what I'm saying, so they're deceived, so they turn around and uh, they pull, put the kibosh on their neighbor who doesn't want to follow these rules. The nurse says, unfortunately, I can't lie to anyone. Anymore. I can't lie anymore, said the nurse, explaining how she took a screenshot of the internal Hollywood hospital data showing that there were just three people across three hospitals in the region infected with COVID. The total deaths from these three hospitals across the last seven months is just 76 people, roughly 10, 10 deaths a month, according to the nurse who questioned why it was even necessary for her region to go into lockdown given such sparse refugees or sparse figures sorry uh so th- in other words she just says it doesn't it, nobody's talking about the jerry-rigged and fraudulent figures the figures one day i would i happen to be watching deborah burks the F- fauci's cohort back there at the national institute of health or whatever they call it National Institute of Infections or something. And she actually just said it right out in front of God and everybody. She said that if anybody if anybody dies and they have COVID at the same time, they're going to count it as a COVID death, even though they might have got shot, run over, uh, died in a car accident, uh, fell off a roof, or whatever. They're, they're going to call it a COVID death. Now, that's deceptive. And uh, that's dishonest. But that what that's trying to do is keep the balloon filled, the COVID balloon filled with hot air. Um, so um, I'm just trying. Sorry, I'm just trying to change my settings on this phone. I thought I changed it so it doesn't start going off. And um, so there we go. I didn't want to make noise. So she said, "I'm not going to lie anymore." And she said the total deaths from these three hospitals across the last seven months in Great Britain is just 76 people, roughly 10 deaths a month, according to the nurse, who questioned why it is necessary for her region to go into lockdown given such sparse figures. Good question. I decided there's no point. I've gone against the rules within the NHS. I've shared confidential information that people need need to see. Uh, said the nurse, adding that other doctors and nurses were trying to speak out as well. Uh, okay. 
So what we're seeing is a very dysfunctional medical system. Normally, I have high regard for medical systems in our area, but because of the political agenda that's being um, waged in our country to cause everyone to be socialist and actually ultimately to take our property away and our rights away and <clears throat> vaccine everybody. And if you'll notice that at the same time the COVID thing hit, we also were being told when you go, went to the market or you went to buy something at a store that uh, they weren't accepting cash anymore, right? Or they weren't they weren't going to give you any change, right? It was everything's been coordinated to move you to a different way of life. And uh, we still have, you know, and the fact is they're going to get away with it for all the people that don't understand what's really going on here behind behind the curtain, what's going on. So, um, so many of those people are clueless. So this is an item that I was passed on to me, and I just called it, What is Life Worth?, right? And this is a write-up a person just put, and it ended up on some social media. She says, in a year from now, you will look back and admit that you spent an entire year of your life wearing a mask, cooped up in your house, and avoiding all the people you love. A year in your life, you'll never get back. And let me say this, I'm not saying this virus isn't real or that there aren't people that could really be affected. If you're at risk, take precautions, absolutely. Every single day is a risk. Car accident, <coughs> flu, etc. Our days were numbered before this. That has not changed. But we should not be forced to live in fear. We went from being a free nation to being told we couldn't go to school. We couldn't go to church. We couldn't go to work unless deemed essential. Couldn't go to our grandmother's house couldn't pay respects to a loved one in a funeral. And when we were allowed to do these things, we were told how long we could be there, how far apart we had to be, and what to wear. Would you ever imagine those kind of restrictions in our society? Shocking, isn't it? Yes, the person says our health matters, but you know what else matters? Family matters, friends matter, church, school, dances, football games, county fairs, family vacations, neighborhood barbecues, life one day you'll you'll hug your your grandma, mom, dad, brother for the last time. One day your best friend will will cry on your shoulder for the last time. One day your son will play his last football game. One day your daughter will wear her last prom dress. One day they'll have their last day of school. One day you'll spend your last day laughing with a loved one. One day you'll dance your last dance. Don't waste the days you have living in fear. Your time here on earth matters, and God didn't put us here to be afraid of everything he'd blessed us with. Live your life while you have the chance. God is going to call you home when it's your time, virus or no virus. Now, the other article I, I set aside was, Will Americans Choose to Live or Simply Exist? <clears throat> um, this says, as of this writing, the election is yet to produce a winner, which is true, although this is probably written a couple of days ago. 
Yeah, regardless of who wins, the coronavirus will remain a formidable problem going forward. No doubt, Markowitz will be pilloried for the above sentiments. Markowitz is a writer, and she said, um, it's precisely because COVID-19 has shown us that life is so fragile that we should make a priority to actually live it. This is Carol Mikowitz, Markowitz, New York Post columnist. Let me say that again. It's precisely because COVID-19 has shown us that life is so fragile that we should make a priority to actually get it on and live it. So uh, the coronavirus <coughs> is simply the common cold, the corona strain of colds. That's what they call it, corona. And then they put a number on it, uh, like they did 19, because that's the year it started. So uh, this Carol Markowitz wrote this article. And so as of this writing uh, says, no doubt Markowitz will be pilloried for her above sentiments, but she is only restating in in far more personal terms (coughs) an immutable reality expressed by Hoover Institution fellow Tom Soule. He says, there are no solutions. There are only trade-offs. Isn't that true? You ever wondered about the common cold? They got all these vaccines. I've never been vaccinated by all these flu things because they're hardly effective. They're done so poorly. It's not like smallpox vaccine. There are no vaccines for Corona and it won't be effective, but they may force it on us. And the way they'll force it on us is they'll say, Oh, you don't want it. Okay. You don't want it. Okay. We'll let that go for now, but you're not going to be able to get a job. You're not going to be able to go to school, travel to a foreign land, et cetera, et cetera. Just like right now, the masks are a form of vaccine. It's, it's all about compliance. It has nothing to do with health. In fact, it actually, you wear a mask every day, it's going to cause you to have poor health. He says, or the writer says, is, is a nation where fear has been relentlessly cultivated for almost a year ready to deal with that? In the long run, we're all dead. But what about the interim between now and getting dead? Should you attempt to maintain some semblance of normalcy or submit to the demons of isolation, loneliness, and boredom? along with all the possible pathologies such misery engenders? For many Americans, the answers are elusive for one overriding reason. The coronavirus had been the most politicized affliction in the history of the country, and perhaps the most damning part of that politicization has been the twisted effort to raise the importance of death by coronavirus compared to death by anything and everything else. Thus, while Americans, America is bombarded with a steady diet of coronavirus death totals, deaths from suicide, drug overdoses, and most especially the thousands of Americans suffering from serious conditions who died as a result of delaying or not seeking care have been largely suppressed. Now, that's true. I have friends that needed to get in and get cancer treatment. Get the, You can't just go get tra- cancer treatment like you can go down and get a McDonald's burger. you got to go through a series of doctors to get in there 
and be evaluated and then work out a regimen of treatment. So my friend with bladder issues had to be put off. And I think women that needed to have mammograms and other people that needed to be diagnosed. My friend who works at a doctor's uh, clinic here in the Twin Cities or the two counties, Yuba Sutter County's area, said they hardly have anybody even coming to their clinics for medical care anymore. It's interesting. Maybe people are afraid they're going to get found out they have COVID or they have a common cold, and now they're going to... Like, I just talked to a lady today before I come come on the air, and um, she said that her grandson and granddaughter were both expelled from school today, or what maybe expelled too wrong, that the daughter's nose was was stuffed. She didn't have a fever. She didn't have a cold. The teacher sent her home and told her she couldn't return for 10 days. Now, this is how out of control, and I'm going to talk more about the school system in just a minute. So out of control, the entire school system is. And so since Sissy got sent home, then her brother also was sent home. Then they called back to the home and said, oh, we made a mistake on the boy. They made a mistake on both people. They're just totally nuts in these schools. And you need really need to look at uh, alternative schools. Like rescue, you can go on a website, rescueyourchild.com. <clears throat> or you can go on a website called thehealthyamerican.org. And uh, and you can get information on how to do your own schooling uh, or an alternative schooling method. A lot better quality. It, the quality between public, between private or your own homeschool and public education, it is night and day and positive towards the uh, homeschool doing your own thing. We'll be right back. Uh, we're going to take a little break here and uh, we'll be right back with our third segment. And everything looks so complete When you're walking out on the street And the wind catches your feet Sends you flying right. First I want to give a shout out to Brooklyn and Coney Island For going f***ing red Good f***ing you Alright, that's one step That's one small step for New York that means a lot Number two is that election last night, you called every fucking blue state. Every blue state within seconds. But the red ones you just left hanging. Even Florida, you had to leave that for hours. Even Fox News, huh? Disney bought you out and you turned liberal. All right? I was looking at Donna Brazil's snarly looking face all night. All night, I saw the look on her face. You want to know why they're not counting the red states, the swing states? Because Trump's leading in all of them. Add it up. He's going to win. It's going to be a battle, but he's going to win. So stay optimistic. These motherfuckers on the left, they're evil. They're evil. They're looking to steal the election, but it's not going to happen. Trump 2020, motherfucker. out of here. We know how hellish and dystopian the Great Reset and the Fourth Industrial Revolution could turn out to be. We're already living in a nightmarish new world order as it is. No human contact, no love, no hugs, no hobbies, no handshakes, no leisure pursuits, no public gatherings, no family get-togethers, no parties, no pubs, no concerts, no spontaneity in life, no meaning, no joy, no smiles, no hope, no point. This is intolerable, and it's designed to be intolerable. As Justin Barris pointed out in his speech, if there's someone in your life who keeps making you miserable, that might actually be their intent all along. But there is something you must consider. As dark as things may seem, I believe that we've been given a gift, those of us who can see at least, 
It's an ability to see the truth. And there has never been a greater privilege to be on the side of all that is good, righteous and beautiful in this life. All that is meaningful. We get the opportunity to stand against the darkest, most powerful, insidious, satanic and psychotic evil that humanity has ever faced. We should see this as an honor and a privilege because the quality of life and indeed human life itself is under such attack. There has never been a better time to truly be alive in every sense of the word because life and the value of truly living it to its fullest has never been more important, more precious and more worthy of appreciation and protection. Most of humanity all over the world does not understand or realize that the very essence of being human is under attack. To truly be human is to be free to be exactly who and what we are and to live as freely as we possibly can with each other, accepting all of the risks that come with being in the world and of the world. Those of us who see the truth have been called to defend this, no matter what the costs to ourselves and no matter how difficult the challenge may be. There is no higher a responsibility and no cause more noble. The challenge is so tremendously great because it is so worthwhile. Now let's set the record straight. There's no argument over the choice between peace and war, but there's only one guaranteed way you can have peace and you can have it in the next second. Surrender. Admittedly, there's a risk in any course we follow other than this, but every lesson of history tells us that the greater risk lies in appeasement. And this is the specter our well-meaning liberal friends refuse to face, that their policy of accommodation is appeasement. And it gives no choice between peace and war, only between fight or surrender. If we continue to accommodate, continue to back and retreat, eventually we have to face the final demand, the ultimatum. And what then? When Nikita Khrushchev has told his people, he knows what our answer will be. He has told them, that we're retreating under the pressure of the Cold War and someday when the time comes to deliver the final ultimatum, our surrender will be voluntary because by that time we will have been weakened from within spiritually, morally and economically. He believes this because from our side he's heard voices pleading for peace at any price or better rest than death or as one commentator put it, he'd rather live on his knees than die on his feet. And therein lies the road to war because those voices don't speak for the rest of us. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard around the world? The martyrs of history were not and our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. Winston Churchill said the destiny of man is not measured by material compensations. When great forces around the moon in the world, we learn their spirits, not animals. He said there's something going on in time and space and beyond time and space, which, whether we like it or not, spells duty. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of men on earth, 
or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. As you brush your shoes, you stand before your mirror, and you comb your hair, grab your coat and hat, and you walk the streets, trying to remember. All right, so I was reading some portions out of what this person wrote. Says while America is bombarded with a steady diet of coronas death tolls, right? Didn't, but no, none of the other death tolls are revealed. Like we've had lots of suicides here, drug overdoses, depression. They won't even look at it. When you find that the uh, people in charge of your community, the supervisors, the health officer, are not willing to look at this, you know that they're bought and sold. Now, neither group of supervisors in our two counties of Yuba and Sutter are willing to reopen. I, not I, let me back up. There are a couple supervisors on each board that are willing to vote to stop all this masks, cleaning, all the baloney, uh, six foot separations, uh, quarantining unless you're really sick. They're, they're, they don't have three votes. They need they can't make a decision without having three of the five people decide. On October seventeenth. Jim Whitaker of the Sutter County Supervisors and Mike Ziegenmeyer of the Sutter County Supervisors agreed, let's open up. Let's vote to open up. Dan Flores at that time put it off by turning it over to staff to see how much it would cost. So here we are. What date is it today? It's, we, have, we had the 1017 meeting. Then we had a 1024 meeting. So we, we're now into our third week, fourth week. They're not even into voting. Now they're talking about voting after the first of the year. I want to just say this again to them. If they were not getting paid by the uh, the government, by our tax dollars, to be supervisors, and they did not have their jobs, their jobs were not essential, they would be much more likely to vote and be anxious to vote and would have probably voted by now as soon as they figured out that they've been lied to by the uh, federal uh, centers for disease control and the international world health organization who have lied, changed their view, changed their numbers, got confused about their numbers. And the whole campaign is being, has been a bombard, a carpet bombing of bombarding people with uh, incredible in factual, unfactual facts, facts that didn't actually pan out. So it says this suppression has occurred despite the reality that the levels of excess deaths, not related to coronavirus, but directly related to what communist columnist Jeffrey Tucker labels disabled human freedom and social functioning are nothing short of astounding. That's called depression, disabled human freedom. People are, listen, Bill Gates at Microsoft did not design the human being. God did. And God designed us, according to the Bible, to be free. United States has created a political system to achieve the highest level of freedom of anywhere in the world. When you disable people's freedom, you cause them to be ill. When you eliminate, eliminate or 
minimize their social functioning, shaking hands, hugging, kissing, uh, touching one another, fist bumps. Uh, That is destroying going to church, going to the movies, um, going to uh, entertainment areas like Disneyland or what are the, you know, all those time outdoor places that's destroying people's life. Now the, the totalitarian way is to manage every part of a life of a person and it destroys people because socialism and communism are godless. They do not believe in God. So they don't even understand that m- mankind People are indwelled with a human spirit that needs certain things to f- to flourish, and then the Holy Spirit, if they if they're following God and they've had an experience with God. So this person is writing. This says, nonetheless, they remain largely irrelevant because in modern day America, where there is politic- politicization, big tech, left media censorship of unreliable viewpoints follows in short order. In other words, anything that doesn't go with the company line, which is satanic, gets covered or gets removed. Experts, quotes, outliers, quotes, labeled as such insofar as they serve or don't serve the interest of our ruling class, corporate oligarchy, have been quickly identified as those to be revered and despised. Now, this goes on to say the many of the revered, such as the World Health Organization, Anthony Fauci, have blatantly lied or flip-flopped that the effectiveness of certain drugs was promoted and dismissed or dismissed based largely on political considerations, not whether they really worked. Social distancing has been measured not in terms of science, but in terms of what more than 1,000 health officials considered legitimate large gatherings against racial injustice versus illegitimate large gatherings such as in other words you can go you can go riot and wrestle with one another you're good with covid but you can't go in church and sing you can't go to a political rally right because those are super spreader events listen people this is entirely these it's entirely lies and our little health officer here in Yubisutter is a Soros plant, basically. A Soros plant. She's trained by the Soros family. And she has she is a pr- product of socialism. And that's what she wants is to want to she wants to manage our lives. And she she doesn't understand, or maybe she does, and she's just too slick for these supervisors. We don't want to be managed. I don't want to have the government telling me what to do about my health or anything else. My health, uh, my freedom, what I do with my time, what I do in my house, uh, nothing. I don't want them involved at all. If I want something from them, I'll go ask. Finally, the person says, While this orchestrated cacophony remains ongoing, one thing is appearing more certain than ever. The chief culprit behind literal reordering of our entire society remains largely unaccountable. Who's doing this? Who's in charge? Who are we going to hold accountable for all these suicides and stuff? I'm holding Dr. Lou, malpractice Lou, 
That's her middle name. Uh, No matter how many Americans die, how hard our constitutional rights are trampled, or how much our economy has been shattered to the point where some sectors will never recover, our elitist oligarchy and its useful idiot political allies, that would be your board of supervisors and city council, in both parties remain bullish on China. Anyway, I can't read all this. It's a very good article talking about the CDC and... uh, but I got other things I need to talk about. But what we're talking about here is entire ripoff of this COVID thing. And they just keep putting down more rules, 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 rules. <clears throat> I want to mention about Veterans Day, encourage you to do some stuff on Veterans Day. And then uh, I've, I've got a couple military clips in here today. And then I want to talk about the unions that are controlling our schools. So uh, you, you may have. Uh, not know much about Veterans Day, but um, it's always November 11th, and uh, it's called the Tomb of the Unknowns. So at 11 a.m. on November 11th, a color guard consisting of members of every branch of military renders honors to America's war dead at the Tomb of the Unknowns. <coughs> We're also honoring those that are living. The president or representatives place a wreath at the tomb and a bugler sounds taps veterans day uh, is a federal holiday and uh, it uh, started at the the significance of it was at the the armistice or the peace treaty at the end of world war one was decided on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month of 1918 Uh, when the armistice with Germany went into effect. And so that's where uh, it started with just World War I, and then it went into World War II, and then now we celebrate all kinds of uh, veterans from any war uh, that we, veterans of any fashion that have served served our country. So um, I wanted to read this that I thought was uh, powerful. We usually hear about negative people with taking shots at the military, but this is a personal testimony of a lady. She said, uh, uh, Richard, my husband, uh, never, oh, I was going to mention before I get to this that November 11th, uh, is coming up. And, uh, so it's just uh, four days from when the show was going on the internet. And you might want to think about some unique things you could do on Veterans Day. I was thinking one thing, since we have a Beale Air Force Base nearby, some may want to take a flag or make a sign and go out by the base. There's three entrances to the base, one up by Smartville, coming out of Smartville, and then there's one out by Wheatland, and then one uh, out in Linda area, the the Beale Road base, the entrance. But, I mean, people could hold signs for an hour or so when they – the shift changes and uh, just thank, say thank you for your service, something like that. You can make an extra effort to, if you see someone dressed in military garb, you can uh, thank them or buy them a cup of coffee, buy, buy their meal for them. If you see them in a restaurant or maybe you see their, buy their haircuts, they, they're out at Beale Air Force Base. Uh, or wherever you are, you, uh, some of you are in other other states, up in Washington, Missouri, and so you guys know ways that you can uh, do something spectacular, right? So uh, this is about uh, 
I don't know if you ever remember Anne Margaret. She was a singer and um, actress, uh, very attractive. And uh, during uh, conflicts, uh, she would go with different comedians and a team, and they would go entertain the troops. So this is a, a lady writing about her husband. She says, Richard, my husband, <clears throat> never really talked a lot about his time in Vietnam other than he had been shot by a sniper. However, he had a rather grainy 8 by 10 black and white photo he had taken at a USO show of Anne Margaret with Bob Hope in the background that was one of his treasures. A few years ago, Anne Margaret uh, was doing a book signing at a local store, lo local bookstore. Richard wanted to see if he could get her to sign the treasured photo, so we arrived at the bookstore at uh, noon for the 7.30 signing. When I got there after work, the line went all the way around the bookstore, circling the parking lot, and disappeared behind a parking garage. Before her appearance, bookstore employees announced that she would sign only her book and no memorabilia would be permitted. Uh, Richard was disappointed, but wanted to show her the photo and let her know how much... Uh, those shows meant to lonely GIs so far from home. And Margaret came out looking as beautiful as ever, and as second in line, it was soon Richard's turn. He presented the book. He bought a book, presented the book for a signature, and then took the photo out. And when he did, there was a big uh, hullabaloo, many shouts from the employees. Hey, you can't, you know, we said not to sign that stuff. Richard said, I understand. I'm not asking her to sign it. I just wanted her to see it. She took one look at the photo, and tears welled up, welled up in her eyes, and she said, this is one of, of my gentlemen from Vietnam, and I most certainly will sign this photo. <clears throat> I know what these men did for their country, and I always have time for my gentlemen. With that, she pulled Richard across the table and planted a big kiss on him. She then made quite a to-do about the bravery of the young men she met over the years, how much she admired them, and how much she appreciated them. There weren't too many dries among those close enough to hear. She then posed for photos and acted as if he were the only one there. That night was a turning point for Richard. He walked a little straighter and for the first time in years was proud to have been a vet. I'll never forget Ann Margaret for her graciousness and how much that small act of kindness meant to my husband. Later at dinner, Richard was very quiet. When I asked if he'd like to talk about it, my big, <clears throat> strong husband broke down in tears. That's the first time anyone ever thanked me, he said, for my service in the Army. <clears throat> I now make it a point to say thank you to every person I come across who served in our armed forces. Freedom does not come cheap, and I am grateful for all those who have served their country. <clears throat> I was thinking today about this election and about um, the fact that I, I kind of thought that Trump uh, would would take this election and uh, easily. And I think it kind of looked that way at first until some uh, uh, improper behavior with uh, the ballots started to take place. But one of the things I've been thinking about and in, in just reflecting of if Trump loses this election, of how appreciative I've been of him, compared to eight years of Barack Obama, 
uh, where uh, President Trump is really respected and honored and and shown a lot of uh, attention to the military and law enforcement in this country. And it's been a long overdue. And I I mean, the Bushes did some of that in Clinton, but Trump has ta- taken it to a level that no other president, maybe since President Reagan, uh, had. And uh, I'll always appreciate that about President Trump, that he showed a uh, high regard and and uh, made sure that the military had all the equipment they needed. But at the same time, he actually pulled them off the fronts that every, all these other people wanted them to run around the world and police the world. So I, I was think, kind of taking inventory of my levels of appreciation in different areas for uh, President Trump. And uh, if he doesn't get reelected, how much I will miss him. And sad that he didn't have a full eight years to uh, continue to do the good things that he's done. So uh, anyway, I thought that was a good story of this uh, woman and her husband. Uh, I wanted to mention, uh, as most have probably know by now, that uh, Kevin Kiley does a blog. You can find it, Kevin Kiley, just do Kevin, K-I-L-E-Y, Kevin Kiley blog. If you Google it, it comes up, and he writes um, just comments about what's shaken in the legislature here in California. And he said, today a California Superior Court ruled in favor of me and my fellow legislator, James Gallagher in our lawsuit challenging Gavin Newsom's abuse of power. You can read the ruling yourself, and at at his blog, you can just click on H-E-R-E here, and you can read the ruling for yourself if you care to. The judge ruled that uh, Newsom violated the state constitution by issuing executive order N-67-20, More importantly, she found good cause for a permanent injunction restraining the governor from issuing any further unconstitutional orders. I won't go into the details of that, but uh, that is great news. And uh, that happened because just two conservative legislatures, legislators, uh, of which there are hardly any in our here in California in our Senate or Assembly, there aren't too many of them in general. Two of them just said, we're going to do something, and they stopped the governor. Now, we could do the same thing with the recall, uh, but you're going to have to get it on and, and help us. Uh, you Thinking somebody else is going to do something isn't working. I've told people this. I thought, I've been reading, as I mentioned earlier, about the uh, the Founding Fathers and some of the struggles to launch the war, the Declaration of Independence, et cetera, et cetera, and uh, how they had to fight for every inch that they gained. And I believe today, we're, whether you're up for it or not, we're going to have to fight for every inch of freedom. I, basically, they've been taken from us. So when they can tell you to sit in your home, you, have to, you cannot earn a living. You have to sit in your home. You have to wear a mask. You have to. You can't even be close together. You can't hug each other. You can't sit next to each other. Th- those your freedoms have been lost. The only way you're going to get those back is to take a stand. Take a stand, and and you have to take a stand. You have to fight every day. I go out and go somewhere, and people trying to tell me to do a mask, stand here, stand. There. I tell them to go to hell. I I I want my freedom. I'm going to either live free or die. Live free or die. I am not going to do this stuff that this local health official is trying to do 
If I get sick with COVID, I'm going to deal with it on my own. Screw her. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be involved with any of that baloney. It's all nonsense. And we can, we've never had to deal with this at this level and having some doctor running around like the little Nazi she is and telling us what to do and having these little sissy supervisors uh, kowtow to her. So uh, we got a break here, and I'm going to, uh, this is our midpoint in the, uh, the show, so we'll be right back. our brave special forces rescued an American hostage in a faraway country. incredible people. And I was in Fort Bragg yesterday, and I met a lot of the incredible, these incredible, talented, strong, both physically and mentally, the strongest, the best in the world. But we had a mission sent to a faraway land where they kidnapped an American citizen, and the kidnappers wished they had never done it. And they went in with a large group, zero casualties. We got our American citizen, young man, we got our young man back. Uh, but the other side suffered gravely, I can tell you. That. Our nation salutes its courageous military, which brilliantly executed this operation. Very few people would have been able to do it. It was very complicated and very complex, tough area. We celebrate the safe return home of an American hostage. We've gotten many hostages home. Why is socialism so popular? Less than 10 years ago, you couldn't refer to socialism in a positive way and hope to have a career in American politics. Socialism was referred to as the S-word. Now it is affirmed either explicitly or implicitly by just about everyone on the left. 
And amazingly, given socialism's record of failure, the socialists seem to be gaining ground. Why? What makes socialism so attractive to so many? Socialism, according to its proponents, is more democratic and therefore more moral than capitalism. Leftist filmmaker Michael Moore explains it for us. Democratic socialism means everyone has a seat at the table and everybody gets a slice of the pie. The famed socialist writer Irving Howe wrote something similar in his 1982 autobiography. We believe that the democracy in our political life should also be extended deeply into economic life. The basic idea here is that socialism is vindicated through its roots and popular consent. If a majority of people working through their elected representatives declares something to be a public entitlement, say free college or free health care, then they are justified in extracting resources from those who create wealth to pay for it. As Nathan Robinson argues in his book, Why You Should Be a Socialist, the moral imperative is to place the economy under the control of the people. Sounds good, at least superficially, until you dig a bit below the surface. First, what direct control do the people really have over any government institution? What control do the British people have over the National Health Service? What control do Americans have over the Department of Motor Vehicles or the U.S. Post Office? The answer, of course, is none. Given its practical impossibility, genuine popular control over government institutions is a mirage. Second, what if 51% of Americans vote to confiscate the resources of a single person, say Bill Gates? Does that make it right? Under an authoritarian socialist government, a single dictator seizes the fruits of your labor. Everyone is against that. Under democratic socialism, a majority does. The end result is the same. You've been robbed. The fundamental problem with democratic socialism, however, is its assumption that in a free market system, the economy is not under the control of the people. This is exactly the opposite of how things work. Let me explain. Each of us are not only citizens, we are also consumers. These are overlapping categories. Every citizen is a consumer, and every consumer is also a citizen. The consumer, like the citizen, is a voter. As citizens, we vote once every two or four years, as consumers, we vote many times a day. The citizen votes with a ballot, which costs them nothing except the inconvenience of going to the polls. The consumer votes with his money, which costs him a lot, all the time and effort he put in to earn that money. Only a fraction of citizens are eligible to vote at the ballot box, but every consumer votes in the marketplace, even felons, even children. Illegal aliens cannot vote for political candidates, but they too vote with their money. Moreover, citizens participate in a system of representative democracy. Their views are filtered through the politicians who represent them. Consumers, by contrast, vote in a system of direct democracy. If you prefer an Audi to a Lexus or the Apple iPhone to the Samsung Galaxy, you don't have to elect some other guy to exercise these preferences. You do it directly yourself by paying for them. Here we see the secret of how those billionaires like Jeff Bezos got so rich. We made them rich. The inequality that socialists complain about is the result of popular mandate. Want fewer billionaires? Stop buying their stuff. Free markets work not through greed or exploitation, but by satisfying our wants. And the most successful entrepreneurs are those who anticipate our wants even before we have them. 
No one wrote Steve Jobs asking him to make a phone that took pictures, allowed people to text messages, and listen to music. He conceived it and built it before we knew we couldn't live without it. Market economies involve a level of popular participation and democratic consent that politics can only envy. We don't need to extend democracy from the political to the economic sphere. We already have it. And the moral grounding of free markets, just like that of our political system, is in the will of the people. In the latter case, a will expressed only on election day. In the former case, a will expressed deliberately, emphatically, constantly. We don't need socialism because we already have something more moral and more democratic. It's called capitalism. I'm Dinesh D'Souza for Prager University. See, I wanted to uh, mention uh, that I'm getting some information from the school system because there are actually Christians in the school system that are horrified at what is going on, that our kids are being indoctrinated and our kids are being treated like, actually the kids in our schools right now are more abused, if I can say it that way, I call it abuse, than a kid going to, going to uh, and restricted and a kid going to juvenile hall. When you tell a kid that he's got to wear a mask, he cannot, he cannot fraternize on the playground, he can't like run, tackle, play, uh, can't play with kids, can't sit with kids at lunch, uh, has to be accompanied to the bathroom, uh, has to sit six feet apart, has to stay six feet apart from his teacher. Have They have petitions in between desks. Listen, people, that is, that's like making guinea pigs out of the kids. I wouldn't, even if the if that was a really great learning system, I wouldn't subject my kid to that. It's going to destroy them as human beings. It's going to destroy them. Taking their temperature coming into school, uh, making them wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands all the time as if this is some big deal. It's just, it's just crazy. So uh, my friend put together, he says, he writes this. <clears throat> he says, your choices now, one, one parent, let me just say it. One parent, he said, told me daycares are full in the area. She runs a daycare and parents are and have been in a bind. Your choices now are distance learning five days a week or on-campus learning two days a week and three days a week, still distance learning. So sending your kids back for only two days a week presents its own problems. <clears throat> now, some charter schools are back all day. You're, you're better off just to move to a charter school. If you do, he says, this is a teacher in the public school system, Christian. He says, if you do choose to send your kids back, back be prepared. The recess procedures, hallway and campus walking procedures, bathroom procedures, student drop-off procedures, classroom distancing procedures, 
mask procedures, student work supplies, pencil, crayons, all that procedures, lunch pickup, dismissal procedures. I'm telling you people, I don't care what your kid's learning. That's bad. That's bad for a child. That's bad for a child. That's what they do to torture people in concentration camps and stuff. It's nuts. It's totally nuts. Now, he he gave me some stuff directly from the school that I'm going to read you uh, that is just baloney. It's total gobbledygook socialist baloney. This is from the Marysville uh, Union, the, the, uh, the Union Bargaining Group. They say this. We tried to convince the district that teachers are being overworked in distance learning and therefore mandating that teachers teach both hybrid blended learning cohorts and 100% distance learning students was unwise, unworkable, unsustainable, and a disservice to our students and staff. The distance refute anyway, I'll tell you what's a disservice to our students. It's crappy education and telling them, pushing Black Lives Matter propaganda on them. Now, I don't have time. I've read this. It's a memorandum of understanding. It's, it's mandating all this cleaning supplies you know this is just like you know for for hundreds of years we have sent kids to school we had janitors that clean at the end of the day kids went to the bathroom on their own if they had green stuff coming out their nose you sent them home or they had a fever or they started developing a cough during the day but there's five six pages of agreements here on just cleaning and personal protective equipment, PPE stuff, and following all these California Department of Health, Public Health guidelines. Listen, people, we're not going to be able to change this system. The only way you're going to get your kids help is to get out of the system and either get into a charter school, homeschool, or, or talk to Peggy Hall at the Healthy American um, dot com or dot org try either so um now we this is they're pushing equity training great things are happening at marysville joint unified school and we want you to join the or in the organization discussion development of racial cultural gender and orientation equity in our education community <clears throat> An equity leadership team is a group of committed individuals. In education, the, the term equity refers to the principle of fairness. Well, as often, in other words, if a person that's a female thinks they're a male, it's just being fair to just go along with that and call them, a, call them whatever they are. While it is often used interchangeably with a related principle of equality, equity encompasses a wide variety of educational models. Blah, 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 blah. Anyway, uh, they're advancing racial, cultural, gender, and orientation. Orientation is uh, what people think they are, contrary to what God created them to be. Anyway, they have equity teams. This is all propaganda being pushed on your kids. 
Now, this is right off the CTA, California Teachers Association website. A union, says a union of 310,000 educators across California, we have an obligation to act. This is not a time for us to look away. We must grapple with the fact that our schools, our practices, policies, and even our union are shaped by inequities, bias, and institutional racism. <coughs> this is so much crap. Just total crap. Our black students and educators experience schools, the police, and this pandemic. This, you, you, these people in, in education are teaching that the police are bad people. You're wondering why, whether riots come. This is coming from right here in, in our local schools. You're sending your kids to school. It says our educators experience schools, police, this pandemic very differently than our white students. Saying Black Lives Matters isn't enough. Actually, I said it's too much. I'd say quit saying Black Lives Matter. Knock it off. Black Lives Matter is a communist organization that wants to overthrow this country. It says we need to actively show it in our work towards anti-racism on a personal, structural, institutional level. We are grieving. This is right off the California Teacher Association website. If you're a Christian teacher, you need to withdraw from the union. Oh, I don't think I can. You're going to have to answer to Jesus on this thing. We are grieving and we are outraged. Together we must continue the call for justice and to hold powerful people, organizations, and each other accountable. What are you doing to work towards anti-racism in every single day? They're just grieving about everything. Then it says, news release. We are grieving and we are outraged by the hateful racism and white supremacy that continues to terrorize our communities of color. It is our responsibility to have these conversations at the dinner table and in our places of worship. I didn't even think these people went to church. Saying Black Lives Matter isn't enough. Together we must continue the call for justice and to hold powerful people. I already said that, but they said it another time. Now this is another group, National Education Association, which is another union. It says, we understand the deep racial history and trauma caused by the culture of white supremacy. This is being taught to your kids, folks. (coughs) And we believe that to achieve racial and social justice, we must acknowledge it as the primary root cause of institutional racism, structural racism, and white privilege. It is a privilege that manifests as white people weaponizing the police against black men and women going about their daily chores. I'm telling you people, this isn't a radical or this isn't some wild uh, left wing organization. This is the national education association that is all those things, but they're right up in the, in your kid's business. During this pandemic, we've also seen police. What's the pandemic and the police treating black and brown people differently. You mean the riots? Treating them different than white people. In the United States, the lives and the dignity of black people do not carry the same value and importance as others. On and on and on. As a union of three million educators, do you think they don't have pop? Three million educators? We have an obligation to act. They're acting on your kids, folks. (coughs) 
NEA has started that process by examining how white supremacy culture impacts our own organization. We have to seek the truth, but information just one one step that can lead to a meaningful is just one step to lead to meaningful action. If you stop at information, you have done nothing. We must act now. So we say black lives matter because all lives have not mattered. Racism takes black and brown lives, da 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 Okay, now this is funky. This is some funky stuff right here. There's a pyramid, and across the pyramid are all these, these uh, slogans. And all these slogans uh, are equivalent of overt white supremacy. This is right from uh, the California Teachers Association website. It says covert white supremacy socially acceptable okay so uh anyway they list all these terms so calling the police on black people's wrong that's one thing white silence is wrong color blindness is wrong white parents self-segregating neighborhoods and schools the fact is people have self-segregated for years including every ethnic group every ethnic group finds themselves more comfortable with their same ethnic group. That's true everywhere. If you walk into, like in the gym I go to, it's mostly, uh, there's hardly any white people in the gym I go to. <clears throat> and the and the people of color hang with their group. Like the blacks, they, they, if they if a black walks in and he sees a black working out on some weights, he'll nod to him. He, he's not looking to nod to me. If they're Hmong, they're looking for the Hmong. If they're Mexican, they're looking for the Mexican. If they're Indian, they're looking for the Indian. And they're, it's not like they, if you know them, they may, not, they may say shout out to you. But people just, they hang up with birds of a feather flock together. You get it? So uh, these are Eurocent, Eurocentric curriculum, white savior complex. Uh, how about this? Blaming the victim. How, this is this is white supremacy. Make America great again. Have you ever heard that before? This is right on the CTA website. <clears throat> no wonder they hate Trump. Make America great again. That's that's a white supremacy. Don't blame me. Never owned slaves. If you ever said that, I've said that before. Said none of my people ever owned slaves. None of my relatives ever owned slaves. Bootstrap theory. That's that's a white supremacy thing. But if you talk to uh, Star Parker, who's black, or Candace Owens, they'll say, hey, that's that's a white term about, in other words, work hard, right? Work hard. Uh, school to prison pipeline. <clears throat> Let me talk to you about school to prison pipeline. One of the main reasons that blacks end up in prison is because the schools are crappy in their neighborhoods. That's the school-to-prison pipeline. But here, that's called white supremacist, if you say that. Denial of white privilege. Saying that all lives matter is white supremacist. That's what this says. Uh, denial of racism. Exceptionalism is racist. Exceptionalism is white supremacy. Celebration of Columbus Day is white supremacy. Uh, say. I say this all the time because this is the fact. There's only one human race. There is only one who. There aren't races. I hear people say this all the time. 
The only way you believe that there are races is if you believe in evolution, that you came from slime plus a lot of time, and then human <clears throat> species evolved at different paces, and that blacks evolved slower. Then you have races. But if, if God created people, you have one human race. He didn't create more than one human race. And they're different ethnicities because of their separation at the Tower of Babel. Go ahead and read Genesis 10 and 11. You'll read all about it. Um, okay, there's lots of others, but those are the ones I listed. I'm just telling you, you're subjecting your kids to the California Teachers Association, which is bad news. Now, here is, you know, here, check this out. <clears throat> this is on their website. Our union makes recommendations on candidates and issues to support at the ballot based on trend. Listen to this based on transparent democratic process and always with the best intentions of our students and public education in mind. Did you hear what I said? These guys are not supposed to be a political organization. The California Teachers Association. Now, they list candidate recommendations. They list assembly districts by number 1, 2, 4, 5, 6, 7, 9, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 20, 20, 20, through the 20s, through the 30s. They list every assembly district election in the state of California. Uh, and then they list, I mean, we're talking about pages, pages, pages. And then they list Senate districts. And um, they list all the Senate. So I'm talking, we're, we're talking about 30, 40 races, okay? Do you know what one similarity is on every single race? Their only endorsement are, is for Democrats. 100%. There's probably 10, let's see, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, almost 68 races. Only a Democrat will do. Not one Republican. Not one. But they're non-political. They're supposed to be non-political. So then <clears throat> my friend brings me this flyer, and it says, Voluntary Contribution Change Form, Choosing to Make a Difference. And there's stacks of these in the, in the, the, uh, in the teacher's break room, I used to call it. In the copy room, there's stacks of them in the copy room. In other words, these California Teachers Association copies are being made on our school system copier, right? Instead of them using their own copier and their own money from dues, they are running these on our local schools' copying machines. And it's all about raising money for the unions. Uh, so that's that. It's just a total scam. The whole system, it's, it's not fixable, people. I'm just telling you. It is not fixable. If you think you're kidding, you're uh, deceiving yourself. What you're, what you're doing is you're just getting free babysitting. You're getting babysitting for your taxes. You're not getting an education. They're, you're going to give them a uh, certificate, but they're going to end up on the streets uh, causing a revolution, end up with socialism, end up with Cuba, Venezuela. And they're not going to, in other words, if you say in that public school system, in our local schools here, Yuba Sutter, 
that Columbus, uh, you start talking about Columbus, they're going to say he's a racist. <clears throat> and that he, he killed all kinds of people and raped people and all kinds of stuff. It's nonsense, people. And you're, you, it's the same thing with the founding fathers. They're all, they're all slave owners, racist. They, the, the people today use what they call an ethnocentric view, which means they, they judge the past based upon their view of today. And what we know today is different from the past. And it's crazy. It's, it's a crazy way to look at life and it's going to cause problems. Your kids, uh, will learn so much by getting a curriculum that is true to true to the what really happened with the founding fathers and i've told people that i wish i had the internet when i when i had kids i never could figure out where to get extra resources <clears throat> but now they're just so plentiful from really wonderful historians and scientists and uh English lit people and uh, sociologists and all that kind of stuff. It just, we're loaded. We're loaded with talent. We just got to go get it. Okay, we're going to take a break. I've got a, our fifth segment coming up. recently volunteered at a homeless charity event in downtown Los Angeles and uh, I came to the realization that homeless people in LA are a lot different than homeless people anywhere else because I will never forget what I saw that day. I saw a homeless man wearing Bluetooth in his ear. <laughs> Only in LA do the homeless have Bluetooth. And like at first I thought he was just talking to himself like a normal homeless. But then he had turned around, and I see he had Bluetooth in his ear. I'm like, oh, he must have just found it on the floor. He's just messing around. But then I saw the light blinking. So you know he charged it somewhere. And I'm like, who are you talking to, sir? Your friends? Well, can you ask your friends if you could spend the night? I'm like, this dude must, he's running a scam. He's not even homeless. He's just trying to get a free meal. But then I noticed that the Bluetooth was the only tooth that he had. <laughs> no, he a homeless. I just want to tell, give you a little vignette from that because it kind of shows you how a capitalist thinks. And then ask yourself, you know, does my professor really think like this? And you'll see, this is the furthest thought from his mind at all. The intellectual habit of mind is very different than the entrepreneurial habit of mind. So let's look at the entrepreneurial habit of mind. So Trump crosses the, um, the border, you might say, from Queens to Manhattan. His dad was uh, a, a rental property owner in Queens. And his dad told Trump, 
Don't go to Manhattan. That's not our type of people. We can never succeed over there. It's cutthroat. Let's stay in Queens. We collect small rents from rent controlled apartments. That's kind of what the Trump family does. Trump ignores this advice, marches into Manhattan. He walks and he looks for hotels for sale. He's never owned a hotel, he's never run a hotel, but there is the Commodore Hotel, a very ancient historic hotel right across from Grand Central Station, but it's rat infested, it's terrible. They can't charge more than $30 a night for a room. It's all run down, it's poorly run. Nobody's actually living there. In fact, there are homeless people sleeping in the corridors of the Commodore Hotel. So Trump goes to see the owners of the Commodore Hotel and he says, I wanna buy this hotel. He has absolutely no money to do that. They start negotiating a price and the guys go, where's your money? And Trump goes, I have it, but I want you to sign a piece of paper telling me that you'll sell me the Commodore Hotel for let's just say $4 million. So they sign a paper saying that they will do that. Trump takes that paper and then starts going to one bank after another. And he goes, I'm buying the Commodore Hotel. They've agreed to sell it to me for $4 million. I need $4 million. Where's your collateral? There it is, the Commodore Hotel. So Trump doesn't own the hotel. He doesn't have any money, but he's putting this whole thing together in his head based on the idea that he will have it, right? And so he gets the money to buy the hotel and then he goes up to the hotel and he says, I want to renovate the hotel. I want mirrors on the front on all sides. This seems like an expression of Trump ego and to some degree it is. But people go, why do you want mirrors? No hotel has mirrors on the front. Trump goes, we're living in New York City. If you put mirrors on the front of my hotel, you can see Grand Central Station. You can see the Chrysler Building. You can see these grand monuments of New York reflected in the hotel. And Trump goes, look around the hotel. Look at all these people in three-piece suits walking into Grand Central Station. All these people have money, but they're not staying in the Commodore because the Commodore sucks. But if the Commodore is renovated and looks good, these people can stay in it. And then Trump goes and makes a deal with Hyatt to run the hotel. And people say, why do you want to split your profits with Hyatt? Trump goes, because I have no idea how to run a hotel. They're actually going to reimburse me for a lot of the investment costs, and they're going to run the hotel, and we're going to split 50-50. Now, if you ask me, that's genius. None of my professors of romance languages at Dartmouth could even begin to figure that one out. Before I move on from schools, uh, I wanted to, I talked about this last week and then I wrote an article about it for the Territorial Dispatch. The article is uh, Politics, Not COVID, Keeps Schools Closed. And uh, that's, a, I'm not exaggerating, uh, it says teachers represent a variety of political flavors, but their union leaders are Marxists determined to impose those political shackles on Americans, the United Teachers of Los Angeles, there's about 30,000 of them. Uh, <clears throat> the union leaders for them are, here's, here's what the union teachers of Los Angeles, UTLA, that's a union, 30,000. And just LA, uh, their leaders, here's what they're demanding before they go back to school for COVID. This has nothing to do with COVID, but this is because the schools are shut down to go back 
They're not going to go back unless they get these demands met. Here, here we go. Number one, defund the police. These are, these are teaching your kids. These people are teaching your kids. Defund the police. Single-payer government health care. Totally socialist, going to ruin health care. Full funding for housing all homeless people. Full funding. Everybody, every homeless person gets a house. A shutdown to public, publicly funded, privately operated charter schools. They want all charter schools to be completely shut down. <clears throat> and finally, a new set of programs to address systemic racism before schools reopen. That's what they want. Now, these people, now, again, the union leaders aren't teaching, but the people, the, the left-leaning teachers are teaching this nonsense and telling them about how if you're a white person, you, uh, you need to pay. You need to pay dues for all the harm that's been done. Oh, and here's the final thing. <coughs> they also want to pay for all this. They want the government to add a 1% wealth tax and a 3% income surtax on millionaires and an increased property taxes on all businesses. We just, we just rejected that at the polls the other day. They also want $250 million from the federal government. Now, you know, people, this is just ridiculous. Uh, now, what I brought up the other day, and this is so shocking that the newspaper that I wrote it in actually called me thinking I had a typo because I was telling them about I looked up the statistics on the chances of a kid, a youth going to school, getting COVID and dying from it. Right now, most kids, most being like ninety nine point nine 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 could never get COVID. They just don't get it. They don't get it and have any symptoms. That's what I mean by getting it. If something goes in your nose or mouth or through your eye socket and gets into your body, a germ, and your system knocks it down and you don't even know it happens, we don't count that, even though that would be noted in your system if they took a test. So I said, for the few children infected with the coronavirus, the risk of dying is extraordinarily low. How extraordinary. It's so extraordinary that the newspaper couldn't even believe my figures. COVID-19 patients under the age 20 are 17 times more likely to die due to other causes than succumbing to COVID. Now, check these. Check these. If you want to write some of this down to keep track. I know if you blow too many stats by someone, I, but I think you'll get this because there's a wide difference. And uh, so let me just share it. School-aged children between 5 and 14 have a 1 in 200,000 chance of dying from the, just the typical, typical flu that we get every year. 1 in 200,000. But COVID, they have a chance of 1 in 1.1 million. 1.1 million chance of dying from COVID. So therefore, we're making these kids run through all these hoops, be partitioned, wash your hands, wash your hands. They can't go to the bathroom alone. They, they can't touch anybody out on the playground. They can't be close. They can't sit close at lunch. Listen, people, this is, this is evil. 
Before COVID-19, I write, health officers, school officials, and parents were just fine risking their kids getting the flu, getting the common cold, getting lice, getting ringworms, impetigo, and broken bones, just so their kids could mix it up with their friends, be in clubs, compete in sports, and get an education. What we're saying right now, people, you need to think this through. We're saying we're not going back there and allow that to happen. We just had this grand grandchild sent home because her, her nose was stuffy. It wasn't running. It wasn't green stuff coming out. She had a little allergic reaction to pollen or something. She got sent home, and she can't come back for 14 days. Okay, follow me on this. Kids today are more likely to be kid killed traveling to school. This is the figure that just blew the 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 owner of the paper's mind. The kid in driving, you know, you everybody drives their kids around in automobiles, right? They have a one in one hundred six chance of dying in an automobile in their life. They have a chance of one in one point one million of dying of COVID nineteen. Are you with me? If they get it, one in one hundred six. Of an automobile crash. A dog attack, one in 118,000 and change. Choking on food, one in 2,618. Bee sting, one in 46,562. Drowning, one in 1,121. Sunstroke, one in 7,770. I just picked the things that might happen, right? I've seen people die, choke to death. Uh, I've seen people have reactions to bee bee sting i've seen people drown uh sunstroke kids get too hot right dog attack seeing kids die of dog attack lightning haven't seen that but know people who have one in a lightning strike one in 180,746 do you know anybody that died in a lightning strike a lightning your chances of dying a lightning strike one out of 180,746 the chance of a child dying of COVID is one in 1.1 million. And we're shutting down the schools. Listen, people, you need to get this. If you don't pay attention to it, you're just going to go along with stupid stuff. We need to resist it. You don't resist it. uh, They're going to force you to send your kids to school, that school. They'll force you. They'll shut down. You see what they said? We're not coming back unless you shut down all the charter schools. Honest, I call them old school scientists, ones that weren't bought. They're not prostitutes, political prostitutes. They concur that like any common cold, for most all adults, COVID-19 causes no symptoms or only a mild illness. However, older people with pre-existing medical conditions like high blood pressure, heart problems, and diabetes appear to be more vulnerable to serious outcomes. But here's the deal. Even if you're vulnerable with those things, doctors that now are suppressed from being on the social platforms can cure you and they can cure you with a variety of uh, typical medicines and you will not go in the hospital. They will cure you in 24, 48 hours of COVID, but they will not let them be on the social platforms. They take them down off YouTube and all kinds of stuff. And I've mentioned the website, uh, America's doctors, uh, com. I think it's called America's doctors.com. Just Google America's doctors and found 
Oh, America's frontline doctors. America's frontline doctors. And uh, you can go there and find a doctor and you can get treated online and they'll send you the medicine or send you a prescription. Uh, so uh, I, I wrote this. This is true. <coughs> Rocco Greco, who is one of the administrators at Marysville Joint Unified School District, reported the other day. That of 2013 high schoolers in their district, 1,043 are below 2.0, and 49%, uh, they got a 49% failure rate. Listen, people, distance learning is baloney. It is baloney. It's not going to work. I don't care whether they practice, practice, practice. It is a loser deal. And uh, so I want to finish up on the on the schools on that. You need to find yourself a different way to educate your kids. I know it's uncomfortable, but that doesn't mean it's not the best thing. I got a copy today. I haven't even read it, but it's uh, every other month. Uh, Range magazine comes to my uh, post office box. And uh, you should order a copy. It's. It's it will be shockingly good to you. I had one of my radio listeners many years ago call me up from Butte County, and he said, "Lou, the way you talk, you need to read Range Magazine." Uh, it's the subtitle is "The Cowboy Spirit of America's Outback." It is one of the best magazines in America. And I've been, I give it away as a gift. Um, and uh, I've actually, I donate to them. Uh, it's a wonderful magazine. And the Range magazine, it comes out every other month. And uh, I think that's a, I don't know whether I got a two year, I can't even remember the subscription. Anyway, uh, on the first, when you flip in about three pages, they have this one page that's amazing facts and quotes. And it's compiled by a group of people, and they do an amazing job. So this is – I'm going to read you a few of them because they uh, – I think they'll tickle you. Says Candace Owens, she says, You know that you live in a great country when even the people who absolutely detest it refuse to leave. George Soros says, Clearly, I consider the Trump administration a danger to the world. Now, this is, the Soros is the ones that funded Dr. Lou to go to school. George's brother Paul did. Clearly, I consider the Trump administration a danger to the world, but I regard it as purely temporary phenomenon that will disappear in 2020 or even sooner. Thomas Paine, remember Thomas Paine, our forefathers? To argue with a man who has renounced the use of authority and reason— and whose philosophy consists in holding humanity in contempt is like administrating, administering medicine to a dead person or endeavoring to convert an atheist by Scripture. Uh, this is Victor Davis Hansen, who's a Californian, talking about the insane uh, management of our forests. It says, a few ostracized voices will again warn 
in vain of the need to remove millions of dead trees withered from the 2013-14 drought and subsequent infestations, clean up tinderbox hillside, and beef up the fire services. They will all be ignored as right-wing nuts or worse. You guys probably don't, a lot of you people don't know Buddy Hackett. He was comedian on, on TV a lot in the 70s, 60s and 70s. He says, as a child, my family's menu consisted of two choices, take it or leave it. Come on, baby. That's, that's the way it was. That is the way it was. Here's Katy Perry. You know Katy Perry? Uh, the singer, I, I don't know all she does. Maybe she's in movies. She hates Trump, right? <clears throat> but she lives in a $19 million mansion in a gated community surrounded by security. Now, I love these people's quotes when you realize how they live. She says, no barriers, no borders. We all just need to coexist. <laughs> but in her own life, she has got barriers and borders and security to enforce those barriers and borders. Here's another one. This is, uh, I don't even know who said this. If you, if you think capitalism is the problem, there are 195 other countries where you can get a whole lot less of it. Socialism means ideas so good that they have to be mandatory. And then I just picked one other one here. This is Alexander Hamilton, founding father. Uh, why has government been instituted at all? It's a good question, right? Why has government, why do we even need it? I always say we need the police to keep a lid on this thing since Jesus, till Jesus comes back. Because it's gnarly out there. In fact, I had a police off, police chief tell me at Yuba City, the church asked me to, get involved in the community and do some stuff. So I thought maybe I'll ride along with the police. I'd never done that before. So he said, he said, well, he said, one of the things about church people is he said, they only know half the community. And he said, when they go to bed at night, there's a whole nother group that gets up. And he said, you're going to get to see them tonight. So I, I, when I did, um, I, I came to the conclusion that the whole role of the, uh, the government or law enforcement is to keep a lid on this thing. It says, why has the government been instituted at all? Alexander Hamilton said, because the passions of man will not conform to the dictates of reason and justice without constraint. When you don't have the Holy Ghost in your life controlling you and keeping your temper down and keeping you from stealing other people's stuff or, or socking somebody, taking advantage of them, right? lying to them, uh, then then you need the police to keep, keep control on that. That's how that works. All right, let me go back to my list. I get a, uh, from my article, <clears throat> and uh, let me give you a little survey of this election. Actually, it's a pretty positive election if you're a conservative. Uh, it won't be if we lose the White House. Uh but um, the Democrats appear that they're going to keep the House, but they're going to fall drastically behind expectations, and they're not going to have as many seats as they once did. Uh, GOP holds uh, the Republicans hold key Senate seats, and it looks like they're going to hold the Republican edge in the Senate. Uh, 
This is amazing to me. The Democrats spent 104. Can you imagine, say you're running for office and somebody comes out and, and puts up, up $104 million to get you defeated? That, that was Lindsey Graham. They spent, the Democrats spent $104 million trying to get his opponent elected. But he won by a landslide, Lindsey Graham. Mitch McConnell, who's the head of the Senate, he was reelected despite Democrat challengers spending $90 million. 90, think about 90 or $100 million for a Senate seat. Wow. Uh, okay. I was surprised that, and I don't know, maybe Kim Klasick back in Baltimore. <clears throat> she raised a lot of money, that girl. and uh, But the, her opponent didn't raise very much, but he won. And uh, she may end up in politics anyway, but she still... Uh, I was surprised that she, she wouldn't win. She was all over everywhere. <clears throat> she had some good people working for her, that's for sure. Um, I'm just looking at... Oh, this is interesting. Uh, marijuana legalization measure passes in four more states, New Jersey, Arizona, South Dakota, Mississippi. Uh, D.C., Washington, D.C., votes to decriminalize hallucinogenic mushrooms by wide margin. Hallucinogenic mushrooms have become really popular to legalize. Oregon just did as well. Oregon decriminalizes. I have an article on this that I think is interesting. I'll try to get to it in a minute. Decriminalizing decriminalizes possession of hard drugs, Oxycontin. But, but it's not as bad as it sounds, but I'll explain it to you in a minute. And it may work out pretty good, actually. Uh, because people have a knee-jerk reaction. I can't believe, you know, da-da-da. They're not endorsing it. They're just they're saying, hey, this is a better way to deal with it. Uh, the Republican governors uh, took up, picked up a major, more seats than Democrats. Greg Gianforti wins Montana governor's race, ending a 16-year Democrat streak. Uh <clears throat> The Trump win in Florida helps deliver. Uh, actually, a lot of Republicans got elected in Florida. Uh, let's see. The Uber Lyft, uh, the Prop 22 in California that, you know, it, it was going against uh, <clears throat> the gig law. Was it SB5? And uh, so the Uber and Lyft people put this on the ballot and re reversed SB5 for them. Uh, check out Utah voted to make hunting and fishing a constitutional right. Man, I guess nobody's going to, like, push them out. Uh, okay. We're going to take a break. We got to uh, finish up our uh, – we got one more segment, and then we will we'll wrap it up here. There's something happening here What it is ain't exactly clear There's a man with a gun over there Telling me I got to beware I think it's time we stop Children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down 
Has anybody else realized that Cardi B has become the Jussie Smollett of the hip hop world? She literally just makes up being attacked by Trump supporters like every other week. How many fuckers? I'm skitting now. We gonna get jumped. I really feel like we gonna get jumped. Oh my God. Oh my God. Look at all these Trump flags. Like, the, look at all these Trump flags in Beverly Hills. Me um, offset so scared right now. My sister was walking on the beach and Trump supporters just attacked her for being a lesbian. They just followed her and attacked her for no reason other than she's a lesbian. Trump supporters are everywhere. I'm scared. I don't like it with their big ass truck. I know I'll make all these songs about how gangster I am, but when I see a flag that says Trump 2020, I get scared. I don't like this shit. Look at this. Look at this. Look how they walking around. With fake guns and covering their fucking face. I don't know why it keeps happening to me and nobody else. Even though I got all this security and all this money and the number one song, I keep getting attacked by all these Trump supporters. I don't know, just me, nobody else. I don't like this shit. We're sure, Cardi Smollett. Why don't you do yourself and the rest of America a favor and sit down and shut up until November 4th? How's that for WAP? Bye. We end tonight with a reminder of the sacrifices military families make. It is the story of Daddy's Little Girl. While stationed overseas, U.S. Army Specialist Chris Harris received the best news from his wife, Britt, a special handmade onesie that said, Chris, you're going to be a dad. One week later, the father-to-be was killed when a suicide bomber attacked his convoy. Since he wouldn't be with his daughter in person for the many milestones in her life, Chris's wife turned to what her late husband considered his extended family, his army brothers. My boy Harris, you know we're going to do it for him. We're going to see what kind of baby he's going to have. She sent to Afghanistan confetti for the family to take part in the gender reveal. Three, two, one. It was a girl. Chris Harris's family seemed as excited as any parent would be. Named after her dad, Christian Michelle Harris was born in March, the same day Chris's brothers returned from their tour of duty. And the brothers saw for themselves when they were included in a photo shoot with the baby. In one stunning image, they form a circle with their palms in the center, Christian looking up. They cradle her just as their brother would. In this picture, Christian wears another onesie, my daddy, my hero. All right, I, I haven't, uh, I want to give credit where credit is due and mention some people that helped me. <clears throat> and uh, so those three people I mention every week, and that's uh, Elite Universal Security, Greenest Construction, and the Plumbing Doctor. In fact, I just talked to the Plumbing Doctor a couple hours ago. I got a problem that I needed them to come. They're coming tomorrow. So uh, Elite Universal Securities, it's, it may be the biggest security operation in our area, and uh, they've been here, I don't know how many years, but uh, many years, maybe 20, 30 years, Elite Universal Security. So if you need a job in Northern California, uh, they could put you to work. Uh, they have dispatchers, they have mechanics, they have guards, lots of guards, obviously. 
uh, and patrol people. So you can reach them at 530-749-0280. Or you can reach them through their websites at api-academy.com or eliteuniversalsecurity.com. Or if you need them to um, provide you some security, they do government security, business security, private security for you know people, individuals. Uh, they can help you, and they can help you with strategies if you're having vandalism, all kinds of stuff. So you can call them five three zero seven four nine zero two eight zero. They also have classes on things like like uh, pepper spray. Uh, getting a concealed weapon permit. So connect with them and find out what's going on. Greenest Construction, they're the finest uh, remodeler in the in our area, Yuba-Sutter counties. They could go elsewhere and work, but they got plenty of work here, and it just and that's where they all live, all these uh, contractors that work together to make Greenest Construction. Uh, so you can reach them at uh, greenestconstruction.com or Dave Greenest Construction Facebook page. And the cool thing about today is that we have these these uh, internet sites, websites, and you can see a lot of their work without even going to talk to them and drive around town and going going and seeing a house. Right? You can just see the photos, and you can get an idea of the level of quality uh, that these guys do. They just don't do a decent job. They do a superlative job. They do a job that's way above the average contractor. And so all the subs that they use, whether it's flooring, painting, plumbing, whatever, are uh, they're just uh, top notch. They're AAA people. Uh, so Greenwich Construction, they're doing a lot of uh, mainly. They're kind of their sweet spot in work is bathrooms and kitchens, decks, uh, entryways, just upgrades. So uh, give them a shout out. And uh, if you want to call them, let me get let me get down here and get a phone phone for you. Uh, if you want to call them, you can call them at five three zero six eight two nine six zero two, or you can text them there five three zero six eight two nine six zero two. If you go to any of those sites, Green, Green It's Construction, that's Green with ETZ. GreenitzConstruction.com or Dave Greenitz Construction Facebook, uh, you'll be able to connect with them off those as well. So, uh, and the final is the plumbing doctor I mentioned earlier. <coughs> I call them when I have problems over here, keep me going. And uh, you can reach them at 530 671 9111. They do all kinds of plumbing needs, make things all, they make the water run where it's supposed to, not where it's not supposed to. So check that out. All right. Uh, let's see what I was going to do here. Uh, all right. Let me get down to. Uh, oh, this. Oh, let me do the, the hard drugs thing. That might be interesting. Okay, so Oregon, I heard some people that I know, and they're, they work with drug addicts and stuff, and they thought, hey, what's going on? So or, let, check this out. Oregon became the first state to decriminalize hard drugs. So what are they? Heroin, cocaine, meth. It was on the ballot. 59 said, 59% said, yeah, we want it. Uh, 
So uh, a Drug Addiction Treatment and Recovery Act is what they call it. It will transition the drug policy from a punitive criminal approach to a humane, cost-effective, and health approach. I'm all for this. Uh, people suffering from addiction are more effectively treated with health care services. Our problem here is the health care and mental health, mental health controls all the drug program money, and they are totally bureaucratic to get through. And you can't get it fast enough to get these people into care. So it says people suffering from addiction are more effectively treated with health care services than criminal punishments. I'm totally on that page. A health care approach ex- includes health assessment to figure out the needs of the person and includes connecting uh, them to the services. One of the big problems is efficiently and quickly uh, connecting people to services when they say they're ready. Instead of treating drug users as criminals, America, uh, Oregon will now offer them addiction services funded by, by marijuana tax revenue. They're going to take their marijuana tax revenue and put it into recovery. I think that's awesome. It's a $100 million a year they're going to put into recovery. It says oh, now, this is where when you hear, oh, they legalized drugs. They really didn't. So here's what they did. What they're, what they're not going to do is punish you if you uh, have uh, this amount of drugs, one gram of heroin or MDMA, which is ecstasy or what they call molly, one gram, two grams of cocaine or methamphetamine, 12 grams of psilocybin mushrooms, and 40 doses of LSD, oxy, or methadone. Uh, so they're, they're going to decriminalize, though. They're not going to lock you up with that amount. So criminal penalties for possession of these amounts are replaced with a fine of $100 up to 100 which can be waived if the user is evaluated at addiction recovery centers. I think this is great. Crimes that are associated with drug use, such as manufacturing drugs, selling drugs, and driving under the influence are still criminal offenses. Now, it's interesting. There were some opposition from pub, uh, DAs, right, 24, two dozen DAs. But more than 100 organizations endorsed the measure. Listen to who endorsed it. Oregon's chapter of the American College of Physicians, Oregon Nurses Association, Oregon School Psychologists, Oregon Academy of Family Physicians, and the ACLU, among others. So here's the interesting deal that I find. And I've been watching this for years. I ran into, when I was in New York uh, doing a project for a couple of weeks, I ran into a team of Portu- Portuguese people. And they were all heroin addicts. And they were, we, we crossed paths at this uh, operation called the New York School, NISM, New York School of Urban Ministry in Queens, New York. And so they, they needed a place to stay, so they came there, and there's a bunch of rooms there. And they were all recovered heroin addicts, and they knew there was a lot of heroin, I think, in the Bronx or Brooklyn. So they were going to set up an outreach house and to reach heroin addicts. And uh, then I, I was focused on Portugal because they decriminalized all drugs in 2001. So uh, multiple uh, countries in Europe, including Portugal, the Netherlands, Switzerland, have decriminalized hard drugs without rampant bad effects. So in 2001, Port- Portugal said, we're going to do something different because we had too many people dying, getting on heroin and dying from it. So 
since then, it has not led to an increase in drug use, but did result in dramatic reduction of pathologies associated with drug use, such as sexually transmitted diseases, I'm sure hepatitis C, HIV, and overdose deaths, according to a 2009 Cato Institute study. Now, Cato Institute is a is a very reputable uh, libertarian research organization and uh, intellectual think tank. A 2015 European drug report also found that Portugal's drug overdose death rate is five times lower than the European Union average. I think that's awesome. And we've been trying to get at that, even though we've got all kinds of criminal laws in California. In our work in the Yuba County Jail, I know Dr. Cassidy's work when he was in the Yuba County Jail, we did our very best to side-door these folks into drug court, which then led to get getting them into programs. And if they successfully accomplished the program, they would wipe the, the charge off their record, get them on off probation and all that kind of stuff. So this is just a more aggressive approach. I like it. <clears throat> During this COVID, we've had all kinds of people dying of overdoses, and it's it's just a crying shame. A lot of young people. It's it's just it just a, it drives me nuts. So this is an interesting thing that happened in the uh, in the election, the current election. Pro life conservative women are winning all over the United States, and there was a time in California when, the, of course, the, the California Republican Party is almost completely collapsed. And they got so uh, discombobulated and depressed that they thought they had to, like, support abortion to get uh, to win some seats in the state. But uh, voters elected a record number of pro-life women to Congress on Tuesday, including 13 new pro-life Republicans who will be filling seats in the U.S. House. Unbelievable. Uh, All women. So the Susan B. Anthony list... um, a, a leading pro-life organization, they invested $52 million, not in one campaign, <clears throat> but they, they scattered it around supporting pro-life candidates. And um, so the surge of victorious pro-life women candidates in the U.S. House is a blow to um, Nancy Pelosi and her pro-abortion agenda. So uh, most of them are... Uh, I don't know that we we have a couple of California races that are still to be decided in Orange County. There's a couple Asian women down there that uh, they they most they may both be um, I don't know whether both of them are Korean. Uh, I, I'll get to them in a minute if we have time. But uh, said in, in the U, U.S. House races, seven pro-life Republican women flipped Democrat-held seats on Tuesday. So that's Maria Salazar, Florida, Yvette Harrell, New Mexico, Michelle Fishback, Minnesota, Nancy Mace, South Carolina, Stephanie Bice, Oklahoma, Ashley Hinson, Iowa, and Nicole Maliotakis of New York. Okay, pretty cool stuff. Uh, so then they're... Uh, Some of the, there's there's other ladies also. Oh, Young Kim, she's Korean, and that she's in California, 39th district. Her 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 race is too uh, close to call. And Michelle Steele, I think, even though she's got an Anglo last name, I believe she's Korean as well. So she's uh, they're both Orange County uh, ladies, and um, 
so they're running for uh, Congress, and but their but their seats are too close to call as of the time that they wrote this article. But there's a uh, thirteen U.S. House of Representative women coming in that are all pro-life. Very encouraging and uh, pretty cool. All right. Um, in fact, there's a lot of other races where they didn't flip them, but we kept pro-life people. Uh, I'm just looking to see what's worth talking about here since we're running short of time. All right. I wanted to, um, this guy, Richard Coleman, he says, it's all rotten. Something is rotten. And to the paraphrase, well, anyway, I'll skip that. Something is rotten. Politicians do not address what's rotten. But if they did, confidence in democracy might skyrocket. What is rotten in the new world of automation? Here are some examples. Like, for instance, I had a problem getting my garbage picked up today. And I called Ubisutter Disposal or Recology. Ubisutter Recology. And the phone just rang and 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 rang. And so finally, I just went on Facebook, and they said, you can't use this to reach us. So I just typed them a message saying, hey, I haven't got, got my garbage picked up. But I just run into the lack of community. I used to be able to call a Recology and, and get a live uh, receptionist answering the phone, a warm receptionist. Now I guess they don't use them anymore. They just use a robot out there. Uh, said to interest, this is uh, here's some examples of rotten. IRS. Taxpayers can and do get tax bills from the IRS, and there's no explanation. The best thing to do is pay the bill and hope to get a refund at a later time. Do not telephone the IRS. A taxpayer will either get a busy signal or a recorded message that says, Your call is important to us. Please stay on the line, and your call will be answered in the order received. Your call may be monitored for quality assurance. A lucky person may have his call answered in two or three hours. The odds are that the person answering the call does not have any useful information for you. Credit card companies. The monthly bill shows an unexplained charge. Calling the credit card company is similar to calling the IRS, except that the person on the other end of the line may be more polite than the IRS worker. Cell phones. People buy cell phones for convenience, yet for for many people, they are unsolicited sales solicitations offering such things as reverse mortgages or life insurance. How many people stop answering their cell phones, possibly running the risk of missing a critical call? I do. Home telephones. You still got a home telephone? I still have a landline here. The problem is, again, more unsolicited sales calls. Some of these calls give threatening messages saying that the failure to reply will result in a warrant for the telephone customer's arrest or multi-count indictment. You ever been that? I've had people threaten me and we're going to come and do this. We're coming and do that. We're going to, you know, we're going to cause your death because of social security or something. How about banks? Like, do you think banks are ever going to like get over COVID? There are too many banks, big banks like B of A, Wells Fargo, Citibank, Chase. It's virtually impossible to reach someone at the customer's local branch. They don't. They want to get out. Of, they don't want to have. They just want to. They just want to eliminate cash and just do. Uh, give you a chip in your hand. The caller gets the usual recorded message and has to wait a long time to have his call answered. Appointments. For patients who are members of health maintenance organizations like Kaiser, the patient has to go through some laborious procedure 
to make an appointment with the primary care physician. Physician, The patient may have to go online and enter a user identification number and a password. There are times when either or both entries do not work. God, man, I've had hundreds of problems with that. Pa- don't you know your password? Do you want to make a new password? Do, do, just like, ugh. Your ID, maybe your ID is wrong. How many times do patients get a message saying the password is incorrect? Email. About 25 years ago, email was inconvenient. Was was convenient. There would be a few messages from friends and associates. Today, many email users find hundreds of unwanted messages. That would be me. How many candidates for public office are badgering email users for campaign contributions? That would be me, including my phone. Bing, 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 bing. It's just blowing up. <clears throat> or how often do phony invoices appear warning the user that he has not paid his bill? Unbelievable. Just one. He says everything's rotten. Government itself. Government has become remote and expensive. Whether the economy is good or bad, the government always wants to raise taxes. The extra tax money is needed, politicians say, to help unfortunate people. Now, <clears throat> my latest beef is the government. When you go to go to get some service, like the building department <coughs> or somewhere, planning department, and they say we're closed for your convenience and we're saving money. So why do you have a government if they're going to close their offices? My friend who's a contractor told me, in fact, Dave Greenitz told me, that they don't open, I think in Sutter County, maybe it's Yuba City, but Sutter County, until noon. Why? They just get used to being hard, so you only get like four or five hours in the afternoon to, to actually see somebody face-to-face. Going into st- Stores. Decades ago, store employed people informed about different products. For example, suppose a customer wanted a garment designed. I won't get into the details. I think I think service in a lot of places is horrible. Now they're more concerned about whether you got a stinking mask on and what you want and get served by. Unbelievable. Okay, we're running out of time. We finished six sessions. And so, uh, listen, uh, pay attention. Uh, to what's going on out here with COVID. They're going to rip you off. They're going to try to take over our entire community, every community. They're going to try to have authoritarian government. Capitalism is out. Socialism is in, particularly if Biden gets elected. And uh, uh, they're going to push it on us, except for the elite. They'll get to do what they want. So uh, you need to pay attention and uh, don't let these tracers and trackers jack you around. Call your attorney. And tell them to shove it. Okay, so have a good week, and we'll be back, Lord willing, next week. And uh, signing off from No Hostages Radio. Lou Benninger here. Bye. We're so glad to see so many of you lovely people here tonight. We would especially like to welcome all the representatives of Illinois' law enforcement community who have chosen to join us here in the Palace Hotel Ballroom at this time. We certainly hope you all enjoy the show. And remember, people, that no matter who you are and what you do to live, thrive, and survive, there's still that make us all the same. You, me, them, everybody. Everybody. Everybody needs somebody. Everybody needs somebody to love. Someone to love. Someone to love. Sweetheart to miss. Sweetheart to miss. Sugar to kiss. Sugar to kiss.